Let's bring in uh, our buddy and my uh, my colleague from Nesson, the play-by-play voice of the Boston Bruins, Jack Edwards, is on the line. Hello, Jack. Well, Dale, how the heck are you? I mean, we've only waited, what, like five months for this day, so here we are. Happy New Year, Jack. Yeah, yeah, thank you. You too. I asked DJ the question, I'll ask you. Is this team tonight a worse team than the one that left the ice against Montreal last spring? Right now it is. There's no question. Uh, they're not as good as they were last week um, to get – uh, two draft choices and, and no bodies for uh, Johnny Boychuk uh, substantially hurts this team. But uh, one of the most impressive attributes of last season, especially when Seidenberg went down, was the demonstrated ability of this coaching staff, led by Claude Julien and, uh, and also by extension Don Sweeney uh, and uh, the departed Jim Benning to Vancouver, uh, their ability to coach players up to have recognized uh, one of the qualities of the players they've acquired as being a guy who is uh, desirous to improve, a guy who has the tools that can get a guy who is not close to his ceiling. And there are a lot of players like this in the organization. And, and, you know, as you guys were just talking about, Adam McQuaid, he definitely hasn't hit his ceiling. He may be close to it, I don't know. But we're going to find out in the next few weeks. And... The Bruins really have the good fortune to be playing in a weak conference because the Eastern Conference, while it has several teams that are improving, we all know that on any given night any team can beat any other in the National Hockey League. Um, they, they have time to figure this out, and it's not a lot of time, but they got probably three weeks or a month to be able to figure it out to see if they really have an emergency here. But, no, they're not as good as they were last spring. They're not as good as they were last week. All right, Jack, it's the opening night of the season. I know you have to have some ritual, some routine that you're doing. I mean, you're Jack Edwards. I'd be so disappointed if the season starts and you just wake up and say, okay, it's hockey season. He's making charts. Get us involved. Take us behind the curtain. What goes on on the opening night of hockey for Jack Edwards? First, I I listen to all my MP4 recordings of uh, the uh, Holly Hockey Minute. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And, you know, I, I, I'm so glad that you're bringing it back. Bringing it back, because, Jack. Yeah, because it, it ought to be back. It was, it was a hilarious part of the Boston land, uh, sports landscape, and, and I look forward to hearing it again. Um, but, uh, actually, the only, the only hard and fast ritual that we have in the Edwards house is that everybody in the household except the dog uh, picks the uh, two Stanley Cup finalists and uh, the Stanley Cup champion. Um, for, for the season, and um, because predictions are so silly and, and pretty much useless, uh, I usually go way out on a limb, and, and uh, so some of my fellow family members have followed me this year. It should be noted that the only person in the family who picked the Los Angeles Kings last year was Elijah, who is now nine. So, you know, he admitted he didn't study one bit for it, and he just sort of winged it, and it ended up working out okay. By the way, he picks Anaheim to win it this year. Like the, like the uniforms last year. Maybe that's what it was. Okay, so, you know, I, I would have asked you this at the end, but now that you brought it up, uh, who'd you pick uh, to, to represent the East and West? <laughs> you know, this is crazy because uh, I think the predictions are, are an absolutely silly thing. It's, it's actually one of the reasons that I started saying the game is on when I started calling play-by-play a long, long time ago. Because everything we say until the puck is dropped or the ball is in play, depending on the sport, 
just really doesn't matter. So I figured I could look really, really smart if either of these teams ended up working out because they're both intriguing to me in different ways. But I actually picked Washington to win the East because I love Barry Trotz, and I think that it's the last best hope for Alex Ovechkin to understand how to play defense because Barry Trotz did magic with probably half an AHL roster for many years in Nashville. He's one of the best coaches in all of hockey, and he's got some super high-end talent that he's never enjoyed before, but he's also got a head case in his captain. If anybody can turn him around, maybe it's Barry Trotz, and they picked up a couple of pretty decent defensemen in the offseason. And the other team is it's it's Joe Thornton's last chance. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Got him. And, and I'm actually picking Joe Thornton to skate around the ice with that thing over his head. And, and the reason I am, the reason I am is the way the Bruins bounced back in 2011 after blowing the three games to zero lead against Philadelphia and then, and then bounced back in, in 2011 and won the Cup. And I, I think that people tend to say that San Jose doesn't have character, that they're a bunch of softies. Um, I don't necessarily agree. The games we've seen San Jose play against the Bruins <laughs> – that's a team that knows how to play hockey, and it just all went the wrong way for them all at once. If they can, if they can straighten it out, uh, maybe this will be their year. But you know, those two teams could go absolutely down the drain. If they don't, if they if they end up playing for the Stanley Cup final, I'll be able to pound my chest and say, "See, I told you." But you know, it's toilet paper. That's what predictions are worth. Jack, what's up? It's DJ. Hey, how are you, DJ? I am dynamite. Um, you mentioned defensively uh, what Claude and uh, and the gang were able to get out of their young defensemen. That's part of the the reason why the Bruins finished as strong as they did in the regular season and were a, a faster team than they were in years past. But when you look at why they eventually lost, one Zdeno Chara couldn't grip his stick. Uh, two, they hit a million posts. But right up there with them is that those young defensemen looked in over their head at points. They were sitting Matt Barkowski, taking him in and out of the lineup for Andre Mazaros, who I think we can all agree was something of a disaster. Kevin Miller has a really bad turnover in a critical game. So as they move on to these guys having more crucial roles, what's to say that's not going to happen again? Well, you know, it wasn't too long ago that P.K. Subban was making an idiot of himself on the ice on a pretty regular basis during the playoffs. Players get better, and that's part of the learning process. And It's an extraordinarily difficult and and uh, painful part of the process, but uh, the players have to go through that. There are very, very few players in the NHL, especially defensemen, which, as any school child knows, is the most difficult position to play in all of those. Three hundred. I talked to Denny. I talked to Denny Potvin because I had heard you say that thing that he always says. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Although he's, he's he's amended it somewhat because he says they got to be ready sooner the way the cap works in the second contracts. But but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and yes. Uh, those young defensemen got exposed last year, but they have that experience now. And it's not to say they're never going to make a mistake again and not going to make the crucial mistake again, but uh, one of the traits that these guys have is that they rarely repeat their mistakes. And they will get better. They won't be perfect. Uh, is it as good as having Boychuk? Certainly not right now. But Johnny Boychuk wasn't exactly brilliant in his first year or year and a half with the Bruins either. So... Uh, that that comes into the calculation. The, the greatest worry, DJ, and, and uh, it's that the reason the Bruins hit the posts is because they didn't cash in. They didn't have that sniper type of player because they don't have that in their roster. They don't have that in their organization. 
And the loss of a Ginla is something that, that really is nettlesome to anybody who follows the Bruins. Uh, that's not a replaceable player because of the cap situation and because of the character of the player. So uh, how they're going to get that done, I don't know. Maybe Matt Fraser. Uh, I, you, you just know, said it. You just said it. I think it's pick, Fraser. Eats, pisc- eats pixie dust for breakfast. You know, we, we saw a guy named Glenn Murray a few years ago who wasn't exactly fleet of foot but sure knew how to shoot the puck. And, and uh, you know, if Fraser can find his confidence – Maybe he can turn into a 20-goal scorer. You certainly can't look at him for 25 or 30, but, but maybe he can provide 20. Uh, they've got to be able to it, – it's not just the, the gross number. It's the clutch goal by the uh, outstanding individual effort that's got to happen for this team. And they've got to find their mojo because uh, that's, you know, that's what bounced them out last year. And, uh, and Montreal is set to improve again, so – you know they're they're going to have their hands full, and they're depending on the integrity of the structure of the organization that Peter Shirelli has put together. Uh, the ability of the coaching staff to coach guys up is a big part of that. And if they can get all those pieces to fall in place, and not have extended injury problems, uh, that that could be a, a team that could contend again. But it's not. Uh, it certainly isn't in the kind of position it was in last year. Jack, give me two names. One name is the player who's got the most to make up for, who's got the most to try to prove this year, and two, who's the breakout star of the Bruins this year? Uh, the, the guy who's got the most to make up for is Louis Erickson because the grade he got last year was an incomplete. And if you look through Louis's career, you see not only a player who uh, is an extremely productive and consistently productive player, but a guy who has been a difference maker in all three zones, not an especially physical player, but a very, very tough player to play against, even in the defensive zone. Uh, he didn't feel good about last year. We all know why, you know, the two concussions, but uh, he's got a lot to prove this year. And I don't know if it's really fair to say that Dougie Hamilton is breakout because he was getting so much responsibility during the playoffs, but the guy is only, what, 21 years old? Yep. and. Uh, he is he is about to become a real significant star in the National Hockey League, playing alongside Sedano Chara on a constant basis now and playing upwards of 22 minutes a night is going to make him uh, – he's, he's going to get the spotlight that people saw for him when he went number nine overall for the Bruins. And a lot of people had him rated in the top five of that draft. And, uh, he's smart. He works his butt off. He keeps his mouth shut, as we all know. I'll try to get a good sound bite out of him. Um, but it's not like Phil Kessel, you know, not giving it a good sound bite. It's Dougie Hamilton just saying, I'm not going to put anything on anybody's bulletin board. I'm just going to play the game. Um, you gotta, you got to like what you see from this kid. And he keeps improving every single game you see him play. Uh, Jack, I was saying to Dale earlier, I was surprised to read a quote from Tuka Rask in which he admitted that Montreal – has the Bruins' number, and by extension, maybe has his number, too. Uh, if you agree with him, uh, why? Why do you think that is, that, that Montreal has gotten the best of the Bruins? Montreal does something that no other team really does against the Bruins, uh, which is that they attack the corners. Uh, everybody knows that Claude Julien will, uh, will give you everything outside the dots. That's the way the system works. It works unbelievably well. When you have small, aggressive, quick, skilled forwards, which is, you know, no 
no commas in there. <laughs> they have to be all of those things. Uh, Brian Gianta at his finest, Brendan Gallagher emerging as one. Uh, those are players who can toss the puck toward the net, dig it out of the feet of a guy like Seidenberg or, or Chara or a Boychuk, and really give the Bruins fits. As, as Brick says, toss the beanbag in front of the goal, and the scramble ensues. And a lot of the times the Bruins look really clumsy in their own end. Um, full marks to Mark Bergevin for figuring out how to solve the riddle against the Bruins because the Canadians are the only team that not only knows what to do but also can do it. Um, and I, I, you know, I agree with, with Tuca in that you know, Montreal pretty much does have the Bruins number, but that said, things change year to year. Claude Julien's a pretty smart coach. I'm sure he's not going to roll out the, exactly the same look and uh, no twists on his strategies and let Montreal have more success. That's what makes the game great. Every year, teams try to tweak a little something and show a different look against each other. And the fact that Montreal eliminated the Bruins was really difficult to take over the summer, but it really enriches the rivalry. And uh, I'm just happy that we have the Montreal games on Nesson this year instead of NBC poaching them all as they, they did in the last few years. See, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be an opening night without some shot from you at NBC. I've right. actually never heard him it, take a shot at NBC. Here we go. It, it, the yep. season has officially begun. The dog hasn't given his predictions on the Stanley Cup uh, participants, but you've taken your shot at NBC. All is right with the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, by the way, um, we had a chance to ask uh, the commissioner if he would consider establishing a new revenue stream because a lot of people have expressed, expressed uh, not – just the willingness, but the desire to pay for an alternate audio feed. And so NBC would still get all of its video advertising, and none of its advertisers would, would lose uh, viewers. But the NHL could discover a new revenue stream by allowing the regional networks of the teams to uh, have their own announcers on the second, third, and, and Stanley Cup final rounds of the playoffs. Uh, instead of getting knocked off the air as we do, I saw. I saw uh, that, that would mean you wouldn't be on Twitter though. Jeff, I, I was say, but actually, it's funny. I saw his tweet on this, and what was your tweet? Your your line was, "We're not. This is not dead yet." Not dead. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, I thought he was going to reject it out of hand, but he actually he actually said, "You know, that's an interesting concept." And if you think about it, I mean, it's it's millions of dollars per game in the playoffs. If people would pay, you know draw the line. What is it? $2, $3, $5 for a web feed of, of the regional broadcasters. I mean, I, let's face it. Everybody thinks that, that Doc Emmerich does a terrific job. He does. He does a fantastic job, but there's no way that he can know the Pittsburgh Penguins and the way Paul Steigerwald knows the Pittsburgh Penguins. Paul Steigerwald's around that team 186 days in a row. It's, it's just a fact. And, and if you're, if you're used to listening to those, broadcasters all through the year, and then when the most important games come along, there's a storyline that's begging for attention, and they don't know it. It's not because they're not trying hard. It's not because they're not doing a good job at calling the actual play. It's just they don't know the stories because there's no possible way you can do that with 30 teams over a six-month season. It's, you know, it's, not, it's not football. It's not a one-game-a-week type of, type of sport. And, uh, and so I think a lot of fans have that sentiment that they'd like to they'd like to pay for the uh the other audio feed and bruins fans let me just make you aware of something okay 
Jack won't be doing the game tonight because damn those NBC sports guys have taken the game. We will have a full 60-minute pregame and a complete postgame show on Nesson. You'll hear Jack tomorrow night, though, in Detroit, Bruins against the Red Wings. Jack, we appreciate the time as always. I'll see you at the rink. All right. See you there, Dale. Great see to be with you, boy. Right. That you, is, All right, uh, Jack. Jack Edwards, TV play-by-play voice of the Boston Bruins on Nesson. He will be... Uh, bringing you the game tomorrow night. Again, NBC Sports Network has tonight's game, but we've got a 60-minute pregame show on Nesson that starts at 6.30, a complete post-game show after the game uh, that starts the minute they, the final horn sounds. He actually didn't bring it up, but it was actually NBC Sports who traded Johnny Boychuk this weekend. It was not the Bruins. <laughs> NBC Sports is responsible for that. He said, I've never heard that. I've never yeah. heard him take one shot at NBC. I'm going to I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm going to do some digging on this. It seems like don't know what you're talking there's about. something there. 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. The AT&T text line is 37937. We're broadcasting live from West End Johnny's. Uh, Dale and Holly, DJ Bean from WEI.com is here as well. We're right back to your calls. Four at four, top of the hour. We've got some interesting comparisons of some Bruins and some Boston sports figures. You'll want to stay tuned for that as well here on Sports Radio WEI.